This podcast is presented by SoCalREN, the Southern California Regional Energy Network. We're a collection of local governments that come together to promote energy efficiency programs for residents, businesses, and public agencies. Welcome to Re-Energizing Communities, your connection to conversations about energy efficiency that can help you influence change at home, at work, and in your community. Thanks so much for joining us. In today's episode, our host, Dan Tyler, sits down with four guests to discuss energy resiliency and the important role it plays for communities across Southern California. Our panel includes Luana Medina, a manager for the Los Angeles County Internal Services Department, Environmental Initiatives Division, which administers SoCalREN. Chris Ford, Assistant Director of Energy Services for the Energy Coalition, also known as TEC. TEC is a nonprofit organization that partners with Los Angeles County to help public agencies set up energy efficiency programs and achieve their sustainability goals. And from the city of Palmdale, we have Ben Lucha, an environmental and technology manager, and Kathy Wells, a senior management analyst. Let's get started. For those who might not be familiar, I want to start with a brief explanation of how SoCalRAN helps public agencies. The network offers a variety of programs and technical assistance to help cities, counties, school districts, and other organizations identify and implement energy efficiency projects. SoCalRAN also provides access to financial incentives and exclusive financing to help make energy-saving improvements more affordable. So with that baseline, I want to ask, why is it important for SoCalREN to focus on outreach to public agencies? Chris, let's start with you. Public agencies tend to get lumped in with other non-residential customers like commercial or even industrial. And and yet public sector has such different needs. They have different requirements for procurement. Um, They have different requirements for funding. And so trying to design a program that just helps any non-res customer is really going to leave public sector customers behind. Um, and so, you know, every every program tries to address those needs specifically from one angle or another, whether it's providing the resources they need to, to help go out to bid or whether it's making sure that they have some low interest financing available to them to get projects installed or new and innovative ways of developing and completing projects and then verifying the savings afterwards. Those energy cost savings are so important to making sure that the project is successful. So I'd say that that kind of tailored approach and then is really important. And then the other aspect would be the network. It really is a network. You know, while while tech has, we, we have a lot of knowledge about energy efficiency, there's nothing quite like having peer-to-peer knowledge sharing between different agencies and, and knowing that when you have one public agency in, in one part of Southern California working on a project and they maybe don't have as much experience with it, it's really valuable to be able to connect them to other agencies that have been there, that have done that project or worked with that contractor or installed that technology and can give them real feedback on their experiences. And so we try to leverage the power of that network as often as we can. And I think that's really where the leadership angle comes in. Ben and Kathy, as representatives of a public agency, what would you say makes energy efficiency such an important goal for Palmdale? For those who aren't very familiar with our community, we're located in Northern LA County. Sometimes when I'm talking to uh, jurisdictions or parties that are outside of California, they kind of chuckle when we discuss the need for energy efficiency because they picture all of California being a pristine weather location with pristine weather and there's not really a need for air conditioning or heat, etc. But we're one of the few communities in L.A. County that actually does get weather. 
in the summers, um, you know, this past summer, we were well into the hundred and teens uh, degree temperatures. Uh, in the winters, we do get snows. Also, throughout the day, we can get some drastic changes in weather where uh, it's not unheard of to see a 20, 25 degree shift in temperatures. Many of our residents are commuters. They commute out of our city. And when they come home, they want to come home to a comfortable home and they want to be able to relax and enjoy a little bit of time they have before they need to go to sleep so they can wake up early the next morning and continue with their commute. And although we are making some great strides in uh, having more local jobs and more local businesses, it is still concern uh, that's really prevalent in our community. And uh, like I said, it, we can, it can get really hot and it can get really cold here. So energy efficiency projects are very important. And I can attest to what you were mentioning, Ben. I'm a native Michigander. I've been in Southern California for a little over a year now. So hearing about snow in Southern California, even still now to me, it, it kind of makes your head spin a little bit. But it is something that people people don't realize who, who aren't from the area like myself may not even live here, that there is such a, a range in weather and that energy efficiency is such an important and attainable goal for so many communities in the region and the state as a whole. As the city of Palmdale, we need to put the example. So us showing how it can be done is a role that we shouldn't take lightly since residents will look to us and see what kind of technologies we've implemented, what kind of measures we've taken so that they can uh, follow our example. Anything to add here, Kathy? From my perspective, we're going to be launching as a community choice aggregation program as well. So, you know, a lot of these smart city initiatives that we're wanting to look at for the future once we begin serving energy, microgrids, virtual power plant, battery storage, all of that doesn't work correctly if you don't do the energy efficiency first. So that is one of the things that we've been focused on is ensuring all municipal sites are operating as efficient as possible and taking advantage of our partnership with SoCalREN has really helped us attain quite a bit of savings. What has it been? Over 7 million, I think we've saved thus far in doing retrofits. That's amazing. And that sort of brings me to, I think the, the main focus of this conversation that we're having here today of energy resiliency. Energy resiliency is defined as an entity's ability to withstand or recover quickly from disruptions in available and affordable energy resources. As we've all seen in the news recently, climate change is affecting the state of California as a whole, but particularly here in Southern California with wildfires, earthquakes, and public safety power shutoffs or PSPS events. Obviously this impacts communities access to affordable energy, Luana and Chris, how important is it for public agencies to consider energy resiliency and how can SoCalREN and Tech help to do that? Sure, yes. So energy resiliency is, is absolutely top of mind for, I would say, most, if not all of our public agency customers. And there's different ways in which energy efficiency intersects with that issue. You know, in terms of how agencies have dealt with resiliency to date, you know, a lot of that often has to do with having backup power, backup generation to allow them to maintain critical services. One thing, again, that's different about public agencies than your other non-residential customers is that they have some services that have to be provided. 
Public agencies often provide drinking water or wastewater and sewage treatment, in addition to all of the other services that they provide to their to their communities. It's the stuff that you don't see beyond what's going on at City Hall and in police and police and fire stations and things like that. And those services can't stop even when there's power outage. So when you're relying on backup power, there's a very kind of fixed um, engineering scenario there where you only have so much fuel, you only have so much power output, you can only run your building or your facilities for so long. Energy efficiency really helps you in those situations, those undesirable but unavoidable situations, especially during wildfires or PSPS events where you're running on backup power and you have your facilities running lean, then you can run them longer, you can provide those services for longer. That's literally resiliency. Looking ahead and resiliency moving into the future, the, the way energy efficiency intersects there is that when you're looking at how do we start getting off of the grid services and being less exposed to the risks in, created by PSPS events and, and power cutoffs or, or even just on hot days, the potential for blackouts due to the strain on the transmission and distribution systems in the state is really to figure out what can we do on our end as customers to manage those loads. And so, you know, energy efficiency enables, it's like a platform for reducing the cost of other distributed energy resources. Energy efficiency lowers the cost of a solar and battery storage system that you may, may need to design it. It can help enable demand response. It can allow for a smarter usage of energy based on the, the time of day and, and even help you respond in a dispatchable way to events going on and to, to signals from the grid to change your energy usage. So energy efficiency is in most cases still the best and lowest cost first step in a broader strategy of preparing uh, to be more resilient by adding those other technologies and layering them onto um, to your facilities and your operations. Yeah, and just to expand beyond the public agency perspective, I think at the constituent level in our residents and our communities, you know, when Edison or the utilities are turning off power, many of the disadvantaged and low-income communities lack the opportunity to have cooling stations or are subject to extreme weather conditions. So I think we need to drive through our communities the idea of resiliency and the need for, um, you know, implementing sustainability practices so that our, can, you know, our communities can continue to thrive. And, and I think that's one of our highest priorities and objectives, not only at the SoCal Ren, but at the county of Los Angeles. Well, that's such a good point about specifically the, the need for some of the disadvantaged communities to have access to that. And, and Chris, you as well bringing up with, it's not just some of these disastrous events that require resiliency like you see on the news. It's it's not just the, the wildfires or, or an earthquake or, or something of that nature. It can also occur when the, the, there was extreme heat going on, and just this summer it was, you know, 115, 120 degrees, and, and that may not be something that grabs national headlines, but requires resiliency nonetheless. Ben and, and Kathy, could you speak to a little bit what energy resiliency looks like in Palmdale as a community, and in some ways you're trying to bolster that uh, through the partnership with SoCal Ren and Tech? We're on the other side of the San Gabriel Mountains, so that is a concern that if there's a major disaster and we're cut off from the rest of the county, how are we going to meet our needs, uh, including, uh, you know, when it comes to energy, especially since uh, we do really need our energy because it can get dangerous if it's really cold or really hot and we don't have that kind of access. 
Also, unfortunately, I think a lot of people here in Palmdale and probably all over the world kind of have a misconception. Um, we have a large adoption rate for solar energy. And a lot of people believe that, you know, they look at their bill and they're like, oh, I'm not paying much, so I'm off the grid. And they don't understand how it really works. And they don't understand that if we're cut off from power, even though there are solar panel, it's a bright sunny day and there's solar panels generating a, a lot of electricity, they're probably not going to be able to use that electricity because they don't understand that, you know, as a safety factor, those solar panels are not going to provide energy to their houses. What happens is when you uh, hook up solar panels to your home, unless you have battery storage to store that uh, solar energy, what it does is it generates the solar energy and it puts that energy into the grid, the excess that it's uh, being created, and the rest goes to your home for what you're using. And that's how you end up getting a credit that ends up being used in the uh, afternoon when the sun goes down and you're still using electricity, but the electricity is no longer coming off those solar panels. So there's that safety factor that if the power goes out in a neighborhood, and again, this is if you don't have battery storage, as a safety factor, what will happen is that energy coming off those solar panels will be grounded and it won't go into your home. And the reason why is because if there's an Edison worker in that neighborhood who's trying to make repairs uh, so that the whole entire neighborhood could get their energy back, of course, you can hurt them if they think the line isn't live and there is a solar panel feeding energy into that line. So that's why when, um, when there's a blackout or uh, some other outage in a neighborhood, most solar panels will not be generating electricity for those homes. Again, there's uh, where resiliency would have to come into play and it could be pretty uh, bad situation for many if we do get cut off from everyone. Um, within our facilities ourselves too, it's uh, we do have solar serving several of our facilities and we do have backup generators, but it would be much better if we could actually use the batteries instead to power the facilities if we do have uh, energy issues instead of kicking in a diesel generator to supplement that power need. And so those are issues that we need to look at and, and take into consideration quite seriously. Kathy has been doing some great work towards the resiliency matter. So she's got a lot of great projects in the works trying to see how we can address that issue. Thanks, Ben. Yeah. So, you know, you're talking about resiliency and being cut off. Another piece of that is that because we're the municipality, we provide critical facilities and critical services during emergency events. So you mentioned the wildfires, for example. You know, we have been, in fact, just yesterday, we had a few of our circuits were shut off. It happens to be in, a, in an area of our jurisdiction that there's not a lot of residential, but that it could happen, right? So it's not just fires, it's extreme weather events. It could happen. Earthquakes, obviously we're an earthquake country. So we're partnering with Edison to have community resilience centers for people to go if the power does get shut off. But what we'd like to do is make those facilities be resilient and be able to run on their own. So that's what we're looking at, putting in battery storage along with our solar creating a microgrid space, connecting um, several of our municipal facilities 
and um, not only providing for backup power for the grid, grid resiliency, but but also it's like uh, Ben mentioned, it's an opportunity for us to meet our climate goals as a city, as a community choice aggregator. You know, he mentioned the diesel generators. They are there for emergency, but that should be an exception to the rule because as you know, the state of California is moving to 100% carbon free. So when we begin serving energy, we need to lead by example and show how you can use distributed energy resources to provide energy. And that's one of the things through SoCalREN we're able to, to look at the lighting upgrades, switching all of our street lights. We've upgraded them all and converted them to LED lights. That saved 50% of our energy rates, which saves on the taxpayer, but it also saves in, in our, our greenhouse gas reduction as well. So yeah, I'm working on several grant projects, hopefully, so we can build what's called a connected community. I need to take a second to to brag on Palmdale in particular. You know, you mentioned earlier, Palmdale has reduced their energy usage by essentially seven and a half million kilowatt hours per year. I, that's about a 40% reduction in energy usage, 2013 usage levels, which is just a massive, a massive amount of work done. So that, that says a lot about the, the team at Palmdale, their commitment to energy efficiency it really is a you know a massive achievement and palmdale has actually been has actually been nominated for and twice won uh the beacon spotlight award once in 2018 and then again in in 2020 which is you know a, another great reflection of their commitment to sustainability and all of the great work that they've been doing over the years uh, for the the citizens of palmdale but what i will say is it all starts with energy efficiency, right? You cannot build any of that without that foundation. So that's where SoCalREN is very important because it supplements our efforts. And, and good to hear always the community leveraging some of the capabilities that SoCalREN has to offer. And, you know, obviously just looking to help out, as, as Luana touched on a little bit previously, helping out your constituents and, and trying to be prepared, really. That brings me to Another question, another kind of specter overlying this this entire conversation is, is at the moment, we're not just fighting against changes in climate right now, but there's also obviously the, the COVID-19 pandemic ongoing. So I'll leave this open for the whole panel here today of the question of how the pandemic has affected energy efficiency project, whether that has changed the thought process or strategy at all in just any way in which may be affecting the goal for energy efficiency and energy resiliency. I guess I can talk about here in Palmdale. And um, as a city, a lot of people had to take on roles that they didn't have previously. And so we had a very small division to begin with, and it got impacted because we became even smaller because there were more urgent needs elsewhere. And so even though so I'm not saying that our city uh, doesn't play give any importance to energy efficiency, you know, when you're trying to allocate resources, uh, projects like that sometimes may uh, end up being on the chopping block. And so a lot of stuff that Kathy and I were working on, unfortunately, we're ha we had to put on hold because we just don't have the bandwidth available to continue working on them. And and so I think there you can see an impact. And I, I think that's where SoCalREN has also been very helpful because they're able to step in and help us out where we can't quite allocate the amount of time and effort needed to do that. 
And then you have the budgeting issue too, where uh, every city's feeling a bit of a crunch when it comes to the budget. And then again, SoCal Ren has been very helpful with that aspect too. Doing a long-term investment, you know, when you're going to save money in the long term, is great. It's a good decision, but sometimes you can't think long term because you need to address what's going on now. So getting that kind of assistance so you can get those kind of projects that have a long-term benefit going now is a huge benefit. And then again, too, uh, for our residents, a lot of our residents are at home a lot more than they used to be. And so again, putting that example, helping them figure out how they can save money on their energy costs is something that's really needed by them. Yeah, and I would say that we are seeing that kind of universally across the, the network of agencies that we work with. Um, definitely budget constraints, budget cuts, uh, affecting projects um, and the ability to, to fund projects for the, the coming fiscal year, uncertainty about what the next fiscal year will look like. So, you know, one of the things that as a program we, we can do to help address that is to try to look for other funding sources. I mean, that's always part of our mission for every project we develop is to look for all available funding sources to minimize the amount of, of taxpayer dollars that need to go into paying for projects, but this is definitely a great time to look at things like the uh, SoCal Ren Revolving Savings Fund, it's a 0% uh, loan that can be used to help upfront pay for the cost of a project and start realizing those savings in the near term. The CEC has programs for schools and public agencies with 0% or 1% interest rates that are often another option. Uh, and of course, there, the utility rebates and incentives out there um, offered by the, the big utilities can, can really play a big role in reducing those costs. Despite the, the budget challenges, we are seeing a lot of agencies take advantage of the, the low occupancy or, or no occupancy in some of their facilities to go ahead and get some of the, more, um, the deeper retrofit projects done while there are fewer people that you would be disrupting by doing those projects. So in some ways it has pushed installation timelines out. In other ways, it's it's created opportunities, especially for schools where um, you know normally you can kind of only install projects during the summer. We're seeing a lot more schools consider doing those projects now uh, while the students aren't there because it's it's easier to work out the timeline. I would also say that just in general, one thing I think this this whole experience is bringing to the forefront is the advantages of having smart buildings. We do have some agencies that really aren't aren't seeing a lot of energy use reduction because their facilities aren't set back, meaning that they're they're not adjusting for the lack of occupancy and they're still operating as if everybody's still there. And a lot of older public buildings often have kind of basic set point thermostats and you know, don't have occupancy controls or, or sensors or anything like that. And so this is a great time to look at some of the technologies out there for turning your, your building into a smart building that can automatically adjust the services it provides, like, you know, ventilation and um, HVAC and, and lighting to, to really, you know, match what's needed based on who's in the building. And as we move into 2021 and occupancy may still be kind of uh, in flux for a lot of public facilities, those types of measures can really yield meaningful savings and help maintenance staff avoid having to constantly change set points uh, for different systems in the buildings. So in terms of looking at how we can expand this, there's been some talk about, you know, this is kind of a regional focus and, and people need to work together on this and, you know, trading ideas is one of the best ways in which we can help to grow energy efficiency across the region and, you know, help each other out in what is a big struggle that, that people need to come together to help fight. So Ben and Kathy, from from your perspective, what advice would you give to other communities looking to start on some projects to to increase energy efficiency in their community and you know maybe just some people who are looking to to take that first step? 
us, uh, everyone in the uh, right here in this virtual room, our focus is energy efficiency. It's being sustainably minded, et cetera. That is really a secondary benefit to most. You know, our city council done a lot of energy efficiency projects. We've done some park lighting retrofit projects. Although they're not going to say, oh, no, it's horrible that we're saving energy. Their reaction really is, I like how better lit our parks are and how safe, how much safer they feel. You know, they're asking, when are you going to do that to such and such park as well? Because I want it in that park as well. And then when you add on top, oh, and we're also saving money at the same time, it's even nicer. You know, it's even better. We did a lighting retrofit project also in our library. And you need to see the before and after pictures to really believe the results. And again, it was one of those things of, wow, a, a facility that should be really well lit because really you're depending a lot on the lighting for the use of that facility. And it's great that now it's so well lit and, oh, we're saving energy at the same time. And, oh, there's all these other benefits from it. I remember one employee there, that person was really concerned when they first walked in and they to their area and the lights were retrofitted in that person's area because that person has problems with migraine headaches. And the person sent me a message right away saying, could you dim the lights or do something because... I'm afraid of what this what what's going to happen with my migraines. And I, I spoke to the vendor because um actually the manufacturer of those lights was uh, is local. They're a Palmdale company. And I talked to the president of the company and the president said, you know what, please uh, outline with that person to just give the lights a chance. We have a way of we, we can dim the lights if needed in that person's area, but Ask that person to just give them a chance. And so I did, and I never heard back from that person because uh, actually LED lights are a lot a lot more migraine friendly than, uh, than fluorescent lights are. And so there's all these uh, secondary effects that really are the primary benefits to the decision makers. Saving money, safety, health aspects, et cetera. Those are what really catch their attention and what they really want to go after. And the same thing with the resiliency. Um, I know that when the energy goes out and our building, which is connected to solar panels, no longer has energy and the generators have to kick in, a lot of people are going to ask me, how, why did you put in solar panels if it's not protecting us for this? Because they don't understand the design. So when we start addressing resiliency and we start planning against that, Again, that's another benefit. And again, on the cost factors, right now, uh, our solar panels are generating energy when the energy really isn't as valuable as it used to be during that time of day. But now if you have these resiliency projects, sometimes can also be a load shedding project where, again, you can save money as well. So it's kind of realizing those factors and knowing that that's what a lot of decision makers are going to look at, it will really help in getting your projects through and done. I just want to say, I think Ben just hit the nail on the head. Every every story we tell about an energy efficiency project is a story about co-benefits. Um, it is not just about the dollars and cents that you save on your bill from retrofitting your LED, your streetlights LED. It's about the improved public safety, the improved illumination that they provide. A smart building HVAC retrofit doesn't just improve your energy bills, it also improves occupant comfort. Same thing with, with water and wastewater services, better quality water, a safer wastewater discharge. All, all of those other factors are always as important, if not more important, in an energy efficiency project. 
And when we talk about energy efficiency and resiliency, again, it's a, it's a co-benefit situation where doing energy efficiency first makes the cost of your next distributed energy resource project less expensive. It makes your solar system less expensive to buy or your battery storage system less expensive to buy. It's all about those cascading benefits. And I think especially when you look at the, the public service aspect and, and like Ben said, the saving public dollars, that money is so important for other things, especially when we're looking at you know budget cuts across the board for agencies all over the state. Those dollars are so needed elsewhere. And you know, anytime we talk about the the avoided cost of, of energy efficiency, we got to think about what those dollars can do for public good. And so I think that that can be the, the broader message about the value of energy efficiency right now in the situation we're in uh, with COVID-19. Great. Yeah, thank you both for helping go through some of that. And I think, like you both mentioned, that does put it in good perspective. What might be at, at the forefront of our minds isn't necessarily at the forefront of some other decision makers' minds. But being able to put it in terms that they can understand like that is so important to helping move the ball forward a little bit and getting some of these projects realized and, and put in place and and then you know, going from there. I think many of the communities don't know where to start. So you start by working with a group like SoCal REN and you start with your municipal sites and they will come out and do an audit for you and tell you what needs to be done. And you can kind of cherry pick what what would work. I mean, sometimes the sexy stuff is, is not cost efficient. For example, HVAC units, we would love to replace all of our air conditioning units, but we need to combine that with a lighting upgrade project, for example, to make it pencil. So that's something that working with the experts, you're getting expert analysis, you're getting people to come out and audit your facility for you and kind of put together a plan, a program and a plan for you, then you could take that back to your decision makers and and let them see what the recommendations are. So that would be a first step. The first step to joining SoCalREN is actually uh, as, as easy as just going to our website at socalren.org slash join. You can actually register just to, to access a network toolkit that we have. And we have some, you know, some free tools and resources um, and recordings and stuff like that for from an educational aspect that can be a great first, first place to start. Once we enroll in an agency and start working with them, I think one of the things that we can do, especially for an agency that really doesn't know at all where to start and where the best the best energy efficiency value is, is to do benchmarking. And we have some programs really aimed at taking a look at all of your facilities, the energy usage, the characteristics of those buildings, and then helping provide the information necessary to figure out where should you start, which buildings are, are operating poorly or need to be upgraded or have old equipment, uh, because just just because a building uses a lot of energy doesn't mean that it's being inefficient. Sometimes a building just uses more energy because it is a larger building or it's running uh, 24 seven or has a lot of occupancy. So, you know, I think that's a good way to start to make sure that with those, those limited resources that agencies have to fund energy efficiency projects, that you're getting the best bang for your buck when you start looking at projects. And then we can do those targeted energy audits to give you the, the investment grade costs and savings information you need to make an educated decision about whether to move forward with a measure or a set of measures. I would say one other thing I that I personally enjoy about working on this program is that we get to provide a, a completely objective angle on all of this. Uh, we're not you know, beholden to a particular contract or vendor or technology. It really is just our job to help our, our agencies be as informed as possible when they make their decisions and to give them all of that support at no cost and also at no contract and with no obligation. Um, it really, I think, is a, a pretty fair deal to set the table for some really good projects.
so true and really a great way for communities to take those first steps towards energy resiliency. I'd like to take this opportunity to thank all of our guests for joining us and sharing their insights on how our communities and public agencies can make a difference for the future of Southern California. Thank you. Remember that reducing your energy use today means securing a safer, more affordable, and sustainable tomorrow. For more information on energy efficiency opportunities that can help you save energy and money, visit SoCalREN.org or call 877-785-2237.